This is a MacKillop Farm Management Group podcast. We acknowledge and respect the traditional owners of the ancestral lands, Potterwich to the north, Jawadali to the east, Bowen Dick to the south and Meetung to the west of the Limestone Coast region. We acknowledge Elders past and present and we respect the deep feelings of attachment and relationship of Aboriginal peoples to country. Welcome to The Prosperous Farmer, a podcast telling the stories of farmers in the Limestone Coast and Western Victoria. I'm your host, Meg Bell, and joining us today is Mark Ingalls, Farm Assurance Manager at Thomas Foods International. Welcome, Mark, and thanks so much for being here. Thanks, Meg. It's a pleasure to be here today. So today we're going to be unravelling meat processing, talking about what customers want and what our reproductive health and management practices for Beef Heifers Project has got to do with this. So let's get into it. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) You've spent most of your career, Mark, in livestock producer-facing roles. Tell us how you got into the field and where did you start? How did you get here? Well, yeah, that's a a very interesting story. My background is actually in animal management, animal husbandry. That's where I started. So, you know, at a university, went out managing farms, wide range of farms from wool sheep to prime lambs to beef spent a bit of time in the Kimberley on the back of a horse and uh Came home, had to get serious, ended up going through Marcus Oldham, so that was a pivotal moment, I suppose, in, in, in what I always looked at, sort of coming out managing farms. Did that, spent some time in setting up and managing an outdoor free-range piggery, which was a bit like managing 950 cats, all individuals, So, <laughs> but learned a lot, learned a lot around nutrition and genetics and things like that. And I suppose uh, throughout my career, I've, I've, I've never shied away from challenges, and I like uh, a bit of project management type stuff. I've done a lot of 90 degree turns I suppose uh, in, in, in my career and, and one of those was leaving the, the farm management side of things and, and working for Meat and Livestock Australia in the MSA program. Always had a passion for, for meat science and, and you know how it relates to animal production especially you know through that pig component of it. Seven and a half years with MSA, looking at the science and turning that into something that producers can understand and working a lot with producers and supply chains on on how to actually get better results and better returns for them. And then I got picked up by JBS. I'd been doing a lot of work with them from Townsville through to Tasmania, you know, with their supply chains. And they offered the opportunity to me to, to set up an on-farm assurance program with them, which I had done in the pig industry myself and another fellow in the company we worked, uh, I worked in. And that's how I sort of got into the on-farm assurance side of it. 12 years with JBS and developing that, uh, along with a whole heap of other things, consu- uh, you know, consumer data and, and relating that to feedback back to producers and branding strategies and all those types of things. But main focus for me was always on that producer-facing component, taking some of the myths out of, out of what we see out there sometimes in the industry. And then Thomas Foods approached me to do the same thing. So I work across three pillars of their business, so across the livestock, the processing and the sales and marketing and consumer end as well so I'm sort of the conduit between the three pillars. So you told us a little bit about MSA just before what does MSA stand for and and what's it all about? Uh, MSA's Meat Standards Australia. It's, it's a grading system within within both cattle and, and sheep, and well, mainly lamb. Really, it's not new. It's I think we're 25 years this year, actually. So looking forward to that party. But it's ingrained now in our industry. Um, obviously, back in the days when I started, it was mainly a few domestic processes. But you know, uh, through that time uh, that I was there, you know, that's when the big numbers started coming through. We started working with the T's and the JBS and the Greenhams and and, uh, and the Western. 
Australian companies as well and sort of got it up and going, um, sort of a bit more mainstream. Nowadays, nearly half the eligible cattle in Australia are, are under the MSA grading scheme, so it uh, predicts eating quality and gives guarantees to customers out the other end based on the grading system. The, the lamb one's a little bit different. I mean, up to date, it's pretty much just been put a stimulator in a plant and sign up to it as a producer and, you know, it's eligible for an MSA supply chain. But, you know, with some advances that we've seen, um, we're now looking at a cuts-based grading system for the MSA Mark II. It's had a really big impact on meat eating quality since it's been in place, hasn't it? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember, huge. you know, when I was younger, it was always a bit dicey. You'd buy a steak from the supermarket and you think, oh, is it going to be any good or not? And now you buy one and it's inevitably really good. Yeah. So it's had a big impact on the industry, hasn't it? Yeah. Domestically and worldwide, it's huge. You're exactly right. You know, especially when I first started with MSA, uh, um, you know, it was a 50-50 chance whether you got a good one or a bad one. I mean, today you, you very rarely get a bad state yeah. nowadays uh, you know so it has had a huge impact on on the quality of this, the, the product that we see now flowing through all the main supermarkets utilize it some of them uh, utilize the system they might not advertise that they do but they absolutely do not too many uh, restaurants now that don't use an msa graded product there's a lot better product around now there's you know than than what we even when we saw in the first uh, lot of msa stuff we're now seeing companies and processes distinguishing between different grades as well uh, and that's what i've been working on for the last 12 or so years and still working on with thomas foods as well so mm-hmm. looking at uh, looking at different grades within what you actually do as well so high high end eating quality middle of the road eating quality and and your base eating quality outcomes as well so farm assurance kind of ties directly into meat eating quality doesn't it mm. from from a producer's perspective what is farm assurance and why is it so important it's an interesting one i mean it, it it's, it's funny because obviously i've been working in that area for for a while and originally when we set these programs up it was to get access into the uk lamb supermarket chain so i originally started with lamb that that's where it was and producers mightn't realize but yes we can export to the uk and and you know uh, our quotas have just gone up we're at nine Nine and a half thousand tons. We're now at, with Brexit, we're at twenty five thousand tons, and working our way towards seventy thousand tons. So there's an opportunity there into that market. However, you know we could put product into kebab shops that wasn't a problem but we couldn't put product into the the supermarket chain like your Sainsbury's and your Waitrose's and your Tesco's and the reason behind that is that our assurance programs that we have industry assurance programs we have here in Australia don't stack up against their local assurance programs that they have embedded in their uh, country so uh, we had to meet those standards New Zealand have been doing it for 30 or 40 years they export you know I think their quota was 320,000 tonnes so I a bit more than what we we had here it's about giving those customers the guarantees that what we are saying and what producers are saying are actually happening on farm the programs that i've built over the time have have always been third-party audited programs uh, that give those guarantees to those customers and meets the requirements uh, of those importing countries companies that we deal with so tell us a bit about TFI's vision for the future of lamb and beef processing and especially at the new Murray Bridge facility. Yeah, uh, it's, it's pretty exciting <laughs> times with Murray Bridge. You know, obviously, if we look at the lamb, start with the lamb side of things, again, exciting times uh, from a processing perspective there. TFI have recently just taken over stall processing uh, wholly. There's been a, a partnership there up until the 1st of July this year, and now TFI 
have taken that on board solely. And then you've got your Tamworth uh, plant, which is the, uh, the the battleship or the mothership of the organ, you know, processing 12,000 lambs a day. But there's plans to expand um, stall as well into the future. There's about 100 million being spent on that in regards to chillers and, and cool rooms and things like that. And Labor all the same, you know, it's it's the plant that day in, day out just does does what it needs to do. They don't give us any problems. It's a, it's a great little plant, the, the Lobethal plant. And then Murray Bridge, obviously through the, you know, the disaster of, of the fire there going back five, five odd, odd years ago, we've now seen the plant being rebuilt. I've been to a lot of plants in my time, uh, pretty much just about every processing plant in Australia, and I can tell you there is nothing around like this. It's, it's a it's a sight to be seen. I mean, the design and what they have put into this plant is just amazing. It's currently uh, still being commissioned. You look doing roughly 200 a day through there at the moment. The aim is to get to sort of 600 through the through the spring. It's fully integrated from one end to the other. Um, uh, you know, once you get past the boning room, a human hand doesn't touch the boxes. It's all robotics and modern mechanisms and things like that a huge big uh, uh, domatic which just sorts boxes into orders and things like that it's it, yeah, it's an amazing sight to be seen but you know even through the boating room it's state-of-the-art no expense has been sort of spared and on the design and 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 even you know quotes from Darren who's saying that you know they've taken a lot from the lamb boning side and, and put into the beef beef side of it as well the animal welfare component in the yards is just there's probably not a place in Australia it's the same it's all temple ground and design yards and soft you know soft flooring and really right up to speed from an animal welfare perspective and that's the you know that's the beef side of it the stage two they'll look at is a, is a lamb component to it as well which will utilize more of the that that end side of it as well but you know where they're looking at 15,000 ahead a, a day there as well for the future not mm. sure when that's going to happen though there's no date Exciting for South Australia, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Getting it oh, back look, up exciting for the industry, I yeah. think. You know, I know South Australians are very parochial about their own <laughs> stuff, uh, and myself, uh, I, uh, I have, but I was a well, I suppose I still had. I was born here in Narracourt, so <laughs> I am a South Australian at heart. So you talked a bit about the tech and the, um, the everything new, the, yep. the robots and those sort of things that are happening in in the Murray Bridge facility. So. How about automation and objective carcass management yep. and enhanced carcass feedback, and how does that all fit into into the vision for TFI? It's probably a little bit more of a vision than just TFI. I mean, those that know me certainly know that I'm an advocate for feedback to producers and, and, and objective carcass measurement. I can remember standing up in 2007 saying the sooner we have objective carcass measurement in the industry, the better. And now we're in 2023, and we're we're still <laughs> struggling with you know with some of it, but it, there's a lot more around than we certainly had back then. You know, our Tamworth plant has, has embraced the, the robots. They've got this, the, the cutting robot systems in there based off a cold DEXA uh, measurement. You know, a Murray Bridge, from a beef perspective, uh, the way they've built it, there's room to put, put uh, objective carcass measurement stuff in there if they need to. In fact, Sam, the, the plant manager there, is, is doing a trial with the Frontmatic uh, cameras, grading cameras. So, you know, that's their first foray at Murray Bridge to be looking at utilising grading um, in, in grading technology. The stall lamb plant has got hot dexer in there and, and the MEQ probe. 
I've been doing some work with the MSA team on on benchmarking the plant around IMF in Lamb. We we did some work at uh, at Lobethal, which was really exciting. We got some great results out of there from an IMF perspective. And certainly from a TFI perspective, we're looking at it the the grading system, you know, and the branding strategies that we're looking at rolling out are based on the technologies and 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 the grading systems that we're currently employing. Speaking about it, and this is maybe from a bit of a probably more of an industry perspective rather than a TFI Mm. individual perspective but what are those benefits going to be to producers then around objective carcass measurement when some of that yeah, you know, starts to get implemented a bit more. Uh, feedback to producers is is very very important to me. It's something that's been at my heart for a long time. I mean, when back in the MSA MLA days, I was involved in the initial componentry of the livestock data link process back then. And then, you know, obviously when I was working for the last company, uh, we embraced it and and, and rolled it out. You know, uh, those types of feedback, uh, and again, refining them using um, objective carcass measurement is only better, you know, better for the industry. I, I mean, I always say that, you know, historically, um, the processing industry, um, we've sort of treated producers like mushrooms and kept them in the dark. Certainly not a, a way to move forward. You know, we need to be very clear in directional or our, our market specs, our quality specs, and, and, and feed that back to producers. And certainly, I've been on record as saying we want pro- we want producers to earn uh, or to make as much money as they can out of the animals that they sell us, and there's a reason for it because if they are making as mu- that money, we are as well. So it's a win-win situation in the industry to be able to supply that meaning, and it's got to be meaningful too, meaningful feedback. I think some of the problems that we have seen or, or have seen is getting the producer's understanding on interpreting of that carcass feedback because it's not easy. You know, it's a heap of, heap of numbers on a, on a page to them, really. Uh, and I've spent a, a lot of my career um, uh, interpreting that for producers. So uh, looking at what they've got, um, comparing it to what our market specs and quality specs are, and then looking at genetic decisions or management decisions for them to, uh, to make better, better decisions on farm and get better results. And we've certainly seen that, certainly over the last time, last role I was in. You know, we benchmarked where we were with the Department of Ag right back at the start. You know, from a grading perspective, we were 19, 20% ungrades. And, you know, when I left, we were sitting under three. So, but again, that's, that was an, a long educational process with producers as well. And it's got to go hand in hand. So talking a bit about markets and the question I'm sure you've been <laughs> dreading. No, no, not dreading. I mean, look, it is what it is. And, and I mean, to be honest, your crystal ball is as good as ours. Yeah. So, you know, certainly I think if we throw an overarching blanket across the top of it, it's no different than what we're seeing here in Australia domestically. I mean, inflation going through the roof, pressures on households. We're seeing that on a global scale with everyone coming out of COVID. And that's certainly putting downward pressure on on the red meat sector in, in all those markets across the world. Not sure where it's at at the moment, but an inflation rate of 9% in the US certainly doesn't help. We had some great times through COVID where we thought it was going to be an absolute disaster, especially on the lamb front. You know, the lamb front, you know, people, uh, the millennials in the US ate lamb uh, for the first time ever and Mm. they've never eaten it before. We had some real gains around there, but uh, I think at that end, with the inflationary rate and and the cost of living, what we've seen is is just a switch of protein. So um, lamb and beef in those markets probably outpriced themselves. We knew it was probably, it, it had been happening. We've seen it domestically here. 
since well, I left MLA, you know, consumption rates in Australia have dropped, yeah. and that's that can be directly related to, to price point. So what we, we've seen is is them switching to the cheaper proteins like pork and chicken. That's that, that probably sums up where it's at. Mm. I mean, there's other aspects to it, but they're probably the main drivers that we've seen. Can you tell us a bit about you know we, we've heard and talked a little bit about you know branded products and mm. um, farm assurance programs, those sorts of things. So can you tell us a bit about what livestock producers might expect in terms of new brands and programs yep. maybe coming out, coming from you guys at TFI but also industry-wide as well uh, some of the things that we're seeing from a consumer or customer and there's been some changes over the years on their expectations and 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 that will always happen and they always have changing expectations I mean the classic example is is the MSA grading system so you know when we first started it was about tenderness tenderness was the problem with the beef and you know that was what's driving the failure rate we fixed the tenderness problem and then what do they do they go then go and look at flavor mm. so you know now flavor is an important component to uh, to eating quality now more important than it was before so and it's no different on a worldwide scale you know, there's certain things that uh, that they now see as more important than, than other things that we've seen in the past. And I think, you know, some of the, the discussions that we're having from an industry-wide perspective based on sustainability, that's probably one of the big ones that, that's coming at us. The farm assurance stuff is certainly becoming more and more, like those, uh, you know, giving those guarantees. The raising claims componentry, you know, we've seen no HGP stuff, you know, floating around for years yeah. and we've seen... A supermarket here in Australia adopt adopt that but you know outside of that we're looking at no antibiotics forever so those types of things um, no genetically modified feed going into animals and again that's not all markets there's some markets that really don't care about that mm-hmm. stuff and they'll continue to take product at a price but you know those high-end type markets that we as Australia probably need to look at because we just can't compete on the world market against you know countries like Brazil and Argentina and that can produce meat a lot uh, a lot cheaper than what we can um, we need to differentiate ourselves out outside that and that's where um, you know these customer driven programs like farm assurance like the branding strategies that, that we're now looking at um, come into play is that what beef and lamb consumers are looking for do you think like is are they those next big trends you know those flavors the sustainability those types of things rather than the affordability or is it a mix of both or all look number number one affordability that's yeah. always the case a price point is is the major decision uh, that they make when they're when they're looking at uh, at products and it doesn't matter what it is whether it's beef or lamb or chicken or or, or you know or lego or whatever like you know they the, that, that's the that's the major decision and you've got to think when consumers are looking at products on the shelf they're making split decisions. So if they look at something and then decide that it's too expensive, they will then just walk walk away. And it might take them some time to come back to, to, to that. So it's always price. But then on the other side, there's all these secondary type things that we're, you know, that are, that are coming through. You know, is it healthy for me? The sustainability component, the animal welfare component, all those types of things are the secondary type decisions that are being made by those customers in those split those split decisions. So for a processing and a branding strategy, the ability to, to have those options for producers only helps. And to be honest, going forward, again, not with everything, but with some of the things that we're now talking about 
If we don't have that, uh, we just won't even get a look in. We won't even get a spot at the table. They won't talk to you unless you've got those type, type of programs and those guarantees around your product mm. um, um, when you're presenting to presenting to them for sale. Mm. So the MLA project looking at reproductive health and management practices for beef heifers, can you tell us a little bit about how, from your side of yep. the fence, how does that help with compliance rate and meeting some of those market specs that you guys are chasing? Yeah, it's, it's interesting just listening here this morning to the first session you know, around nutrition. I mean, nutrition's a big key component to the end eating quality outcomes and things like that. So productivity on farm has a direct relationship to some of the outcomes that, that we look for from a processing perspective. I think, uh, you know, one of the big things that I learned even from the MLA MSA days and then coming into the onto the commercial side of it and the producer side of it we probably focus too much on the stress of the animal in on the effect on eating quality uh, um, but the key thing is you know you can go out and spend two hundred and fifty thousand dollars on a low on a low stress set of handling yards and do everything right but if you don't have that nutritional component key in the last 30 to 60 days that all goes out the window mm. so you know nutrition is obviously a big component of it again your reproductivity again drives into that from a nutrition and also drives into that from a numbers perspective I mean, when we look at uh, the grading system, it looks at certain parameters around the grading system, look at um, how that animal has grown throughout its lifetime. It's a measurement of that. So, you know, your weight for age, uh, so your your weight over your ossification scores. That's a direct relationship back to how that animal's grown. We typically look for a a low oss and a high weight, and that's an indication the animal's been been on a good plane of nutrition and a good, um, hasn't had sickness, um, has been. Um, growing at acceptable rates throughout its lifetime. So yeah, that, that has a huge bearing. And and projects like you know we, we're seeing you guys do um, that just taps into into all that stuff that I've just spoken about. Mm. What's the future hold? How do you see meat processing changing in the oh. next? 10 years. That's a very good question. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, the interesting thing is is that, you know, um, um, people talk about value-based grading systems and things like that. And to be honest, the, the beef system has been a value-based grading system for a long time. You know, whether we just look at the Osmeat characteristic stuff, that's, you know, utilising value-based stuff. And then, then obviously the MSA grading system and some of the things that processes have done in regards to segregating and paying on quality and things like that. I think objective measurement coming in will certainly help us in that area. It's going to probably really define some, some certainly some key cutoff componentry. It'll take away some of that, uh, which I call subjective ob- objective. I mean, the MSA grading system is a subjective objective measurement um, outcome. I mean, you've got objective measurements taken by graders. And uh, don't get me wrong, I mean, the graders have absolutely served us really well for the last 20 odd years. You know, the failure rate in MSA is, is, is extremely small compared to the USDA system. So, you know, we, we are, we've been on the right train. It's just a matter of utilising some of the technologies and some of the things coming forward to enhance what we're already doing. So I think that's going to be a big, uh, a big component of, of what we do going forward. 
have we got all the answers now? No. That side of it is always changing. You know, we'll see new technologies come on, better technologies coming on. The tolerances within these uh, mechanisms will be better. The way that we calibrate these these machines now are still based off off the two head graders in Australia. Well, you know, the more data that we get into the system with these things, the better that'll be. So, you know, we'll be able to see higher probably accuracy rates in around uh, you know some of the other measurements that we're, we're currently seeing at the moment so it, it'll get better as we go on and and we do always need to you know continue to to uh, look at those componentries so future what's next for you what are you what's the biggest oh. thing you're working on or what's, well, what's the most exciting thing you've got coming up the farm insurance program, like the, the Thomas Family Guarantee Farm Insurance Program, uh, we're rolling that out currently, especially from a lamb perspective and, and a few beef producers. It's been the, the thing that I've been working on probably since I started with, with Thomas Foods. The other componentry to, to what I do is, is in around that sustainability um, stuff as well. And, and Meg, yourself, you've been involved in, in, in part of that. Um, you know, we've now, and I'll talk a bit about that today, around the benchmarking of, of our carbon emissions through our, uh, our processing facilities and through our Australian and US operations. We ran a, a day in Armadale last week with a group of producers up there, sheep producers up there, lamb producers, around benchmarking their carbon emissions. So that's uh, that'll be a big component of what, uh, what what we're doing in the next sort of 12 months or what I'm doing in the next 12 months but uh, you know then there's the there's always I've, probably at any one time I've got about 40 balls up in the air so you know the producer education side of it we really haven't started on that implementing the feedback systems into the plants uh, that's the other side of it a, a big component has been RFID in sheep I've uh, obviously uh, living and growing up in Victoria I, I, I was a big part of that when it rolled out so I'm now uh, answering the same questions with other states in Australia that I answered uh, seven eight years ago in Victoria we're now uh, obviously on that on that train Um, you know we're looking at implementing hook tracking through our plants to be able to link the carcass data back to individual carcasses Animal health is always a big, big componentry. I mean, Thomas Foods in the past have been very good uh, with that. The the Lobethal plant and the Tamworth plant have been collecting that data for a long time and uploading it um, to the Livestock Data Link system. Um, MLA are about to relaunch uh, the LDL is mm. my my feedback. So um, you know, and I've had a, a hell of a lot to do with that system over the years, and also with the revamp. So uh, looking forward to implementing that into the into the plants and allowing producers to access their their data around that. So once that's uh, up and going, there'll be uh, I'm sure a whole heap of questions around mm. uh, results and things like that. So again, another education program around uh, around that. So there's plenty for me to do. Uh, that's for sure (laughs) that's great Mark thank you so much for being here with us today and and sharing your story it's been great to speak with you as always no it's been an absolute pleasure Meg (laughs) thanks very much for having me today's episode was made possible with funding from Meat and Livestock Australia and the MLA donor company as part of their producer demonstration site program Thanks for listening to The Prosperous Farmer, a McKillop Farm Management Group production. You can rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and YouTube at McKillop Group or check out our website at www.mckillopgroup.com.au. Thanks for listening and see you next time.